at Acts 10, verses 1 to 33. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the man, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The man replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the man into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. 
But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks so much for reading. And um, uh, as I said earlier, started by uh, looking at God's heart and now uh, zooming out to see the impact that that has on uh, Peter. So let's pray and then we'll get stuck in. So, Father, may the words of my heart and the meditation, uh, well, the words of uh, my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So, year was uh, 1998. So, this was the year that uh, Simply Red and Fatboy Slim and uh, the Spice Girls were still household names. And I was sitting in a cafe in London with a group of people that I didn't know all that well, I was eating tagliatelle, I specifically remember that because I hate tagliatelle, and yet in the company of this group of people that I was with, it, somehow it seemed uh, okay, it wasn't such a big deal. And in the midst of all of this, one person in the group, uh, a woman called Kazumi, shared something of the gospel with me. And uh, the key thing at this point in the story is how different Kazumi and I were. Kazumi's heritage was... Uh, from Japan. Mine, I guess, was from the Caribbean here in England. Kazumi was part of the library crew, and at that time I was very much part of the clubbing massive. Uh, Kazumi was outgoing. I was actually uh, a bit of an introvert. And yet she cautiously and yet courageously shared Christ across cultural differences. And if you'd been a fly on the wall, it would have looked very ordinary as we talked over Tagliatelle. And yet God was doing something extraordinary as he changed Kazumi's heart to witness to me and my heart to receive it. And this kind of witness, courageously sharing Christ across cultural difference, is increasingly necessary in the multicultural melting pot that is London. And sadly, in the midst of the opportunity that London gives us, everyday Christians are increasingly distant from everyday non-Christians. So the Evangelical Alliance, a Christian organization, did some research a little while ago. They call it Talking Jesus. They asked 4,000 adults uh, in London uh, a, a number of questions. And one of the key things that came out was only 53% of non-Christians say that they know a Christian. Not that they like them or anything like that, that they actually know a non-Christian. 53% of non-Christians say that they don't know a Christian. That's down from 68% in 2015. Which seems to imply that we are a generation of Christians who are struggling to engage those around us with our faith. And so you see, we've got this thing where London is this multicultural melting pot. And... Uh, we're struggling to share our faith. But in order for that to change, 
sharing our faith across cross-culturally, across ethnic difference, across socioeconomic difference, uh, across church differences is just increasingly necessary. Do you see, it's just a part of what we must do as Christians if that's going to change. And that brings us to Acts chapter 10. This is a monumental chapter in the Bible story because this is where we get a divine announcement that makes it possible for most of you who, who are not Jews here today to be here and say that if I worship Jesus, I'm accepted. This is one of the bits of the Bible that makes that abundantly clear. Because here we see God smile on the gospel going out beyond Jerusalem, which is in Acts chapter 2, beyond Samaria, which was in Acts chapter 8, uh, to what opens the floodgates to the ends of the earth. Because it's going out to a completely different culture, to people like you and me. And it highlights how God works to bring out that, to bring about that message going out. And here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. I think it's on your sheets. God expands his kingdom by expanding our horizons. God expands his kingdom, practically speaking, by expanding our, yours and my, horizons. I've got a friend called Barnaby. He was best man at my wedding. We've known each other, I think, since the age of three. And uh, he always had bad eyesight, but he managed to wait until he was 18 before he got his first pair of glasses. And I remember he, him phoning me up on his 18th birthday, just put these glasses on for the first time. And he phoned me up and he said, Jason, you'll never believe what Bromley High Street actually looks like. <laughs> and and the, 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 his, he said, look, there are shops I never really knew were, they were there. And there are so many people, so many people. <laughs> Why have you waited this long, Barnaby, to get a pair of glasses? And if you know anything about Bromley High Street, you know that our horizons were quite limited, age 18. But the point was, it reflects something of what God has done to Peter. He's opened his eyes, here's the point, he's opened his eyes to see people that he'd neglected to see. He's opened his eyes to see people he'd neglected to see. God expands his kingdom by expanding our horizons. And one of the ways that that worked out practically in Acts chapter 10 is that God expanded Peter's welcome. He expanded Peter's welcome. Peter realised that he needed to widen his welcome to all kinds of people. Just like Kazumi threw the net wide when she invited me to share meals with her friends and in that context shared the gospel with her mouth, so did Peter. And so we're going to zoom in and just see how that came about in Acts chapter 10. So dive into verse 9 of Acts chapter 10. Cornelius has had this vision from an angel, and now Peter has a vision. It's noon in verse 9. But we, we, he's gone up onto the roof to pray. He's hungry. And then he sees this vision which seems quite appropriate because it's like a, a cloth. Maybe we're meant to think of a tablecloth, given his hunger. And in verse 11, he saw heaven open, something like a large sheet being let down by the earth, by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as uh, reptiles and birds. So, so all types of animals. And this means that some of those animals would have been unclean, ritually unclean. And because of Peter's cultural and religious upbringing, he doesn't want to touch any of it. 
Now, now this picture is actually a parable about people. Tom was really good in our group just now, uh, uh, just bringing this out. The food laws in Leviticus chapter 11 in the Old Testament were meant to keep God's people holy and separate from others. But now God is saying that the doors, if you like, of this private members club are being flung open. God is revealing that all people can become his people. If, you're, if you've got a sheet and you're thinking, what is the word I'm supposed to be writing down? The vision is, eat any food. And the meaning we're about to see is that you are to greet any person. So we flick forward to verse 28 of our passage. And Peter summarizes what he understands the vision to mean. And in verse 28, he says, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call who? Anyone Anyone impure or unclean. So in other words, although the vision was about food, its meaning was about people. Do you see that? All people are clean and able to access God's blessings through faith. It doesn't mean that all people are saved or sinless, but it does mean that they are special, made in the image of God. No one is off limits because of their cultural background. And the most fundamental way that Peter can express this new understanding that he has is in his welcome and accepting the welcome of others. And that's what we're focusing on in this chapter. Let me say that again. The most fundamental way that Peter can express this new understanding is in his welcome and in accepting the welcome of others. God expanded Peter's welcome. It's the pattern that we see through these verses in these scenes. So in verse 23... In verse 23, Peter welcomes the three visitors. So these men have come from Cornelius, the centurion, and then in verse 23 we read, Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. It's not even his house, notice. It's someone else's house that he's staying in, and yet he welcomes them in. In verse 25, Cornelius welcomes Peter. So verse 25, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, falls at his feet in reverence. And Peter obviously says, stand up, I'm only a man. But Cornelius welcomes Peter into his house. And crucially, verse 29, Peter accepts the welcome when before he wouldn't. So verse 29, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? He accepts this welcome when before he, he wouldn't have. And it's important to that verse 29 one, because part of what biblical welcome looks like is being willing to be a humble guest in the homes of others. That's why I've emphasised that one. And so Luke puts this here, I think, 